Hello, this is Doug Wyatt, and I want to welcome you to our podcast series, Considering Christianity as a Scientist, and this is podcast number 20. In this podcast, we want to discuss, and to consider, the concept and meaning, the need for worship and praise, and the concepts associated with the words glory and holy. I have heard many times from my scientific thinking friends about why a deity, a being so advanced, so far beyond us, would want or need what we commonly understand as worship and praise from us puny created beings. Many of these friends use this logic as an indication that we have created our God and that he does not exist as we have discussed in our earlier podcast. I do understand their questions and thought processes. An omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent creator being should need nothing from us, much less what we understand as praise and worship. In our little remote arm of our average-sized galaxy, with our average sun and rather small rocky planet, are we not just so much a common life form, a thin film of life on the surface of this planet? So why would our worshipful and adorative praise of our Creator have any meaning at all? This is a tough but good question and one worthy of our time to consider. This discussion, like our last podcast, is a result of questions and discussions with listeners of our previous podcast wanting to consider the concepts and actions more fully as scientific thinkers of Christians and Christianity. As a reminder, I am a Ph.D. scientist, a geologist and geophysicist, published and with patents, and a long history of managing major science and engineering research programs. I am a Christian. Many of my friends and acquaintances in science, technology, engineering, and many others I have chatted with on various occasions have discussed their thoughts on Christ and Christianity, a Creator God, the Bible and human history, and often how difficult it is to reconcile belief with science. I understand and have struggled with this myself. Science and Christian beliefs are often hard to merge, particularly in our modern technological world. Yet I know that many of you feel, sense, hear, a quiet whisper, a deep sense need for something greater, larger, and more meaningful than ourselves. I want you to consider and to discuss that this is our Creator God calling to you personally and how to accept this. Therefore, I offer this brief series of podcasts as a scientist and a Christian, consideration of Christianity as a scientist, and this is podcast 20, considering glory and holy, praise and worship. As a reminder, this series was created during the global COVID-19 pandemic. Conditions such as we now experience only affect our bodies, our physical selves. Enough affliction for sure, but our spirits, our souls, our hearts, and minds cannot be touched by the virus. The topic in our podcast title was a question asked of me by one of our listeners. Often, non-physical, difficult to observe and objectively measure, and therefore rationalize, 
topics are tough to comprehend and analyze. Very tough for us scientific thinkers. We are stepping way, way out into conceptual thought when we do consider them. But I believe we can arrive at concepts that are meaningful beyond just our observational abilities. I believe we can sense, feel these thoughts as facts, as something real, and believe them just as we do those things we can physically observe and touch. I will try anyway. To be completely honest, having grown up in a church-going family and being a regular church-going person myself, I thought I knew what the words and concepts of praise and worship meant, what it was, why we did it, and where it fit into the grand scheme of our relationship as created to creator. I have studied many religious concepts in the Greek with Latin references, some in Hebrew, although that is certainly not my forte, and many historic texts, but I have never really studied what praise and worship was or its meaning. It was always something just assumed. When I started researching for this podcast, I found I was very ignorant, woefully unprepared, and needed this research myself. In truth, I need all of the topics we have discussed. One thing I discovered is that we cannot discuss or consider or understand what worship and praise really is unless we understand the concepts contained within the ideals and words of glory and of holy. We will need to discuss these two concepts first, and I must confess that as I learn more, I feel very inadequate to discuss the magnitude of the meaning and the idea concepts associated with these words. Let's first discuss the concepts and ideals of the word glory. It is a common enough word used casually in everyday language, at least in the Western world, and often not in a religious context. For our perspective in this podcast, what is this term and how often is it used in biblical discussions related to God? It is an incredibly important biblical concept. We could argue the primary concern of the Bible and occurs, at least from translated terms, 279 times in the Bible. As a point of interest and just to jump ahead a bit, what about the term holy and what does it mean? It is also important and occurs as translated from various forms in the Bible a whopping 546 times. We will get to it shortly. Okay, back to the concept and meaning of the thought construct, the word glory. The word glory can be a noun or a verb. As a noun, it identifies and names a state of being or a condition, for lack of better words. It means something that observationally exists. In a way, as a noun, the meaning is intuitive as it is used in common culture. Glory is something incredible, magnificent, high honor won by notable achievements such as in sports or literature or politics or even in war and conflict. Just playing with the Microsoft Word 365 thesaurus gives meanings of magnificence, splendor, beauty, wonder, grandeur, brilliance, exultation, credit, fame, praise, triumph, success, admiration, stardom, laurels, resplendence. Other meanings are renown, fame, prestige, honor, distinction, kudos, eminence, preeminence, acclaim, acclamation, celebrity, praise, accolades, laurels again, recognition, note, credibility, notability, credit, repute, reputation, name, illustriousness, luster, bouquets, laudation, and so many more terms. 
but the general meaning and understanding and mental image is there in the combination of all of these words. As a quick review and in terms of God, glory means magnificence or great beauty, splendor, resplendence, grandeur, majesty, greatness, impressiveness, gloriousness, notability, pomp, stateliness, sumptuousness, opulence, beauty, elegance, brilliance, gorgeousness, splendidness, conditions of state we completely understand, but the actuality of what they describe is beyond our ability to fully comprehend. Some of these words create stronger mental images than others, but the combined meaning of these mental images is of a condition of absolutely the highest grandeur and magnificence possible. Even the words meaning the opposite of these, such as shame and obscurity, lowliness and modesty, cannot overcome the images for the meaning of the mental concept created by the word glory. As a verb, glory shifts mode into an action based on its meaning as a noun. As an action, it means to take great pleasure in, exult in, rejoice in, delight in, revel in, relish, savor, greatly enjoy, take great pride in, congratulate oneself on, be proud of, boast about, crow about, gloat about, get a kick out of, get a thrill out of, I think the meaning is there in our minds as well. If we can accept the incredible range of meaning of the word glory, then we need to understand how it has been used in the Bible. Classroom.com states, In the Bible, the word glory is most often used to describe the splendor, holiness, and majesty of God. That is the simplest statement of biblical action I could find. Think of the sum of all of those words we just mentioned. It is often mentioned in connection with someone experiencing glory in the presence of God. As mentioned in our reference, when used this way, the word glory conveys a sense of heavy dignity, the heaviest possible dignity, a dignity of presence way beyond humans. Sometimes glory is used to describe the condition or a reaction to a human status often due to perceived majesty, dignity, or honor of men due to their dress, position, or accomplishment. This idea is seen in Genesis 45:13, the story of Joseph in Egypt, where Joseph tells his brothers to tell their father about all the majesty, same intent as glory, they have seen while with Joseph and in Egypt. Thinking about the mental concepts associated with the descriptions of meaning of the word glory we mentioned a few moments ago, not all of them are would or could apply in this circumstance, but enough so that we understand the use of the term. What is another example applied to God? The assembly of angels as recorded in Luke 2 verses 13 through 15 discussing the birth of Jesus used the term understood by the listeners to be glory. From Luke we read, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They were praising God by acknowledging his glory, something important for us as we talk about praise and glory. We have talked much about the word glory and its concept and meaning. It is such a big, big word. 
especially when it encompasses all of its various meanings in their absolute highest form when used to refer to God. In a 1976 research article entitled Translating Glory in the New Testament, author and Reverend Ewan Fry noted the following, and I admit I am excerpting his text but keeping his intent. The Greek word doxa, glory, is one which is often difficult for translators of the New Testament to handle. It is mainly because the word covers such a wide range of meaning. In most other languages, no other word is able to express its meaning in all of its various uses. The Hebrew word for glory has the simple meaning of heaviness or weight and was used in everyday language to express the worth of a person in the material sense and then to express the idea of importance, greatness, honor, splendor, power, and so on. When used of God, glory refers to all of these qualities in the highest degree. He notes that this use is also in the New Testament and refers to God, but also is used to refer to the aspects of Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection. For us to give glory to God is our acknowledgement of the absolute, virtually indescribable magnificence and demeanor of God in our highest possible terms and thoughts, our best possible effort to acknowledge something far greater than we can acknowledge. It is such a big word and concept. We talked a lot about glory. What about the word holy? We mentioned it earlier and its high level of use within the Bible 546 times. What does holy mean to us humans? Unlike glory being a noun or a verb, holy is an adjective. It describes a condition generally meaning something like dedicated or consecrated to God for a religious purpose, such as the phrase, the Holy Bible. Similar meanings and mental images come with the words sacred, consecrated, hallowed, sanctified, venerated, revered, with statements such as, exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness or our God is holy. Unlike glory being a noun or a verb, holy is an adjective. It describes a condition generally meaning something like dedicated or consecrated to God for a religious purpose, such as the phrase the Holy Bible. Similar meanings and mental images come with the words sacred, consecrated, hallowed, sanctified, venerated, revered, with state, statements such as exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness, or our God is holy, or devoted entirely to the deity or the work of the deity, a holy temple, holy prophets, terms such as these. However, Holy and sacred, for example, do not necessarily mean the same thing. For example, holy means belonging to God, whereas sacred may be something designated by man. This concept may be worthy of a future discussion. Citing Jeff Benner from the Ancient Hebrew Lexicon, published by virtualbookworld.com, Hebrew is a unique language when it comes to word studies. Every word carries the meaning of the root word that it derived from originally. In this way, the Hebrew word for holy, kodesh, 
comes from the root word Kadesh. In simpler terms, it means to be set apart for a specific purpose. Holy is also an emphatic, intensifying word used irreverently in a variety of expletives such as holy cow, holy smoke, holy mackerel, others you can think of as being used every day and that should not be mentioned in a podcast. Organizations have added the word holy to their names in attempts to tie themselves to God, such as a holy alliance. Even in these cases, holy is an adjective adding a special emphasis. The online etymology dictionary states, holy as a word and mental concept is stronger and more absolute than any word of cognate meaning, such as the word sacred. That which is sacred may derive its sanction from man. That which is holy has its sanctity derived directly from God or as connected with him. As Christians, we speak of the Holy Bible, yet the sacred writings of the Hindus. My Hindu friends accept their works as sacred and would not call them holy. A person who is holy is considered absolutely or essentially free from sin, something Christians believe as only found in Jesus, with an opposite meaning of being wicked or sinful. Holy is an adjective denoting a characteristic. The term sacred is not a word of personal character, and its opposite is profane, common, or maybe even secular. Sacred is an adjective of condition, something set apart as special. Christians would not consider Jesus as sacred. We could discuss this much longer, but the meanings are generally clear. The actual pre-Christian meaning of the word holy is not completely known. It is derived from a variety of old European languages from words typically interpreted with the meaning of consecrated, godly, ecclesiastical, whole, uninjured, and implying things that must be kept intact or whole and cannot be violated, or something similar to this, and probably had a meaning indicating something that could not be transgressed, dismissed, ignored, and must be preserved completely as related to God. Holy is an adjective, and unique, and absolutely tied with God and godliness. Holy means set apart as for God in its purest definition. Again from Jeff Benner, There are times when aspects of moral righteousness or godly devotion are connected to holy people. Nevertheless, on its own, the term holiness does not refer to piety or perfection. When the Bible calls something holy, it is not speaking of purity or righteousness. Rather, it is something set apart from everything else in order to do a job. By this definition, our homes contain a few holy objects. If you want a coffee pot that is only used for coffee and not tea or fruit punch, by definition, you have a holy coffee pot. Your toothbrush is only used for your teeth and hopefully not for anyone else's mouth, especially not for cleaning any other item. So by definition, you have a holy toothbrush. There is nothing divine about these household terms, but they are set apart for a very unique purpose. So what does the Bible say about the meaning of holy? Thinking about this meaning, let's consider these well-known scriptures. Exodus 19.6 and 1 Peter 2.9 both refer to Israel as a holy nation. A quick glance at Israel in the Bible and today could leave you baffled. There are many faults in this nation that does not live up to what God intended. When the scriptures call Israel a holy nation, it isn't suggesting that Israel is perfect or sinless. 
but it points to the fact that Israel's calling is for a specific purpose on earth. It is set apart. In Leviticus 11.44 and 1 Peter 1.16, we read, Be holy as I am holy. Many understood this to mean that we are required to be perfect like God. If we could be perfect on our own or simply encouraged to do so, we wouldn't have a need for the sacrifice of Jesus. But we know that's not true. We simply cannot do it. In these verses, God is not putting something on us that we cannot carry out. We are not required to be perfectly sinless on our own. He is saying he wants us to choose to be uniquely different from our surroundings and focused in the way he is. The meaning of holy in this case points to the fact that we are not of this world. We are set apart. Isaiah 6, 3 and Revelation 4, 8 say that the angels cry before God, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, day and night. With our Western understanding, we might wonder why they would say the same thing over and over. Do they not get bored? Yet before the Lord's throne, nothing could be more compelling. The angels are proclaiming the holiness or the uniqueness of God because he is so different from all creation. In essence, they are saying they... They are meaning, you are so set apart from anything and everything in every situation. There is no one that loves the way you do. No one has the perspective that you do. No one in all the earth is as kind and merciful as you. Your justice is like no other justice in the universe. You are so uniquely different than anything else you have created, among many other thoughts. We could go on and on proclaiming how set apart and focused he is on a specific purpose. And that is exactly what the angels do. Holy, holiness is not about being absolutely perfect, but instead it's about being separated from what is sinful. We cannot make ourselves perfect and blameless, but we can choose to be set apart for God. God is set apart and therefore is the ultimate holy. Thus, we can also choose, to the best of our abilities, to be holy. Well, having the mental concepts of glory and holy in mind, let us talk about worship and praise. We have spent quite a while discussing glory and holy. I believe this was important because to understand worship and praise, we must understand the concept of the glory and holiness of God what this means, and how we worship and praise God who has these characteristics. I believe it really is simpler than we are often led to believe. We will start with the concept of praise and what the oldest Hebrew words and ideals of praise described. There are seven instances of old Hebrew words that were translated as praise, and each means something slightly different. There is one common Greek word we have used before that we will also discuss. All are active words, so are verbs, meaning that praise is something we actively, physically, mentally do and practice. These seven words can be easily searched for and investigated. I use Strong's, Cruden's, and Smith's concordances. Forgive my horrible pronunciations of the Hebrew. Remember, it is certainly not my forte. Tauda means thanksgiving sort of by an extension of the hands. Think, raise your hands in thanksgiving. Yada, again, to hold out as a hand, maybe holding something you are thankful for. Baruch, 
to kneel so as to bless, as kneeling to God. Shabak, to address in a loud tone, to address to commend, in glory, to glory in, to praise. Zamar, to make music, to sing as in praise. Halal, that's a word we always know in a different form, to shine, to praise, to boast, almost to clamor, be foolish with joy before God. That term we all know as hallelujah means much more than simply hallelujah. Yah is God. Praise God. And lastly, the hila, to praise, to laud, and to sing praise to. All of these words imply the same thing. You can understand those mental images of what they mean. What is our word picture and mental concept for praising God? It is easy. Thanksgiving, sort of by an extension of the hands. Think raise your hands in Thanksgiving. To hold out as a hand. Maybe holding something you are thankful for. To kneel so as to bless as kneeling to God. To address in a loud tone. To shout to commend. To glory in. To praise. To make music. To sing. To shine. To praise. To boast. And that term we all know, hallelujah, means more than simply praise God. To praise, to laud, to sing a praise to. To praise God, we just acknowledge him as our creator God and thank him, singing to him, kneeling to him, admiring, lauding, respecting, thanking, etc. Not all of these have to be done at once or together, but they can be. They can be done anytime and in any place by oneself or with others. They can be done stoically, quietly if necessary, or loudly if wanted or needed. In quiet time, they can be done mentally. All God wants is for us to acknowledge him, to do what he has asked us and created, created us to do, praise and thank him, respect him, be the created beings he wants, and acknowledge and praise our creator. It is really not that hard. What about the Greek concept? You can find a variety of sources for the Greek concepts for praise, but we return to one word we have used before in our podcast. In ancient Greek, the word proskunio means basically towards, and is a verb which is probably derived from two other Greek words, pros meaning towards, and kuneo, or kuneo which means kiss. In the Septuagint version of the Bible, one of the original translations of the Greek and Hebrew scriptures, the verb proskunio was used to translate various Hebrew ber- verbs such as bow, kiss, serve, and worship. It is easy to get the meaning of these combined Hebrew and Greek words we have just discussed. What about the concept of worship? We have discussed the concepts of glory and holy as to how we can describe and discuss our Creator God and the terms for praise as how to do the acknowledgement of God in His holiness and glory. What about the process and concept of worship? How do you worship to praise God in His glory and holiness? We have all observed and experienced large-scale, small-scale, and maybe even personal acts of praise and worship, such as large holiday religious services, weekly, sometimes daily religious services, and for many, personal activities and worship and praise on a variety of timescales, even at weddings, funerals, and other solemn events, and seen on TV and the internet in a wide variety of forms. 
For many, these are entrained actions, things learned from experience and often from birth, maybe from family practices, and for many are a large part of their nature. People born into a religious setting or who have come into a religious setting. Often, large groups of individuals coming together, people worshiping and praising individually but in a large group setting, can be an incredible experience. But the small group, personal settings can also be very meaningful experiences. What are some biblical examples of worship? They are easily defined in the Bible. From Psalms and attributed to David, Psalm 63:4, Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Psalms 100 verse 4, Enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Psalm 134, 2, Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Psalms 141.2 Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. From other scriptures, Timothy chapter 2 verse 8 I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. 1 Chronicles 16.4 Praise the Lord at all times. Worshiping and giving praise by facing God, reaching for God, giving Him our sacrifice of praise, love, adoration, with peace in our hearts for all. There are so many other examples. Just for a moment, let's remember some of the concepts from previous podcasts, and we can remember that words such as praise, worship, glory, holy, love, are the overwhelming concepts given in the Bible. These acts and beliefs lead to the belief in Jesus and are the foundations of Christian belief in general. Give these four words, four ideal concepts from this discussion, some thought. Blended together with other large concepts such as love, they are an approach to God and a way for us scientific thinkers, observers of the universe, to believe in and accept God. From our last podcast, think about prayer. Then pray. Silence your mind. Open your heart. Isolate yourself so that it is just you and God and pray. While you pray, think about the glory and holiness of God. Offer your praise and worship. Remember, eloquence and essay length are not required. Think about the teachings and guidance from Jesus that we have discussed and it becomes easy, desired, maybe even logical, to accept the concepts of Christianity and become a follower of the Christ. It is worth some thoughts. I want to end with a personal note. Recently, my family and I were at Epcot in Disney World and had arranged our schedule to attend a showing of the Christmas Candlelight Processional in the amphitheater across from the American Adventure Pavilion. This is a large show venue within Epcot. This event included the combined Disney Orchestra, Herald Trumpets, a candlelight processional, and the mass Disney Singers. It was a professionally produced and staged holiday carols and lessons story of the birth of Jesus. Our show was narrated by actress and Broadway star Cheetah Rivera. It was fantastic. However, what was truly amazing is that a group of maybe 1,500 people of all nationalities, races, ethnicities, orientations, handicaps, and beliefs, most of whom had never known or seen the others in the group and would not see them again, 
At the conclusion of the show, we're standing and singing together with the chorus, songs of Christmas joy and worship and praise to God. As Disney often says, it was truly magical. It was a worshipful event, and everyone there left better for being a part. Worshiping and praising God is easy if we just think about it a bit and accept and understand the concepts we have discussed. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Considering Christianity as a Scientist podcast series. As scientific thinkers, we can evaluate our belief and, through understanding, develop a growing relationship with our Creator God. We can understand His history with mankind and the teaching of His Son, the Christ, to bring us closer to Him, better our relationships with ourselves, and save us from those who would destroy us. Our next episode is coming soon. Thank you.